Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning and to be able to deliver these messages over the last several weeks uh, to you all. It's, uh, as I told um, Mike when I met with him to discuss this, that it was something that was a privilege for me to be able to do. So I appreciate you uh, uh, letting me come here and share these messages about suffering and forgiveness and what God cares about emotional life and, and what I'll be speaking to you today. I told my wife that I would try to make this message a little bit more brief than last time. And one of my goals, uh, every once in a while, over I run into uh, the folks over at lunch. And my goal is to get you out of here in time to beat the Methodists to tequilas. <clears throat> I saw the minister there recently, and, and he, they were sitting in the front room when you go in. I said, you preached a little long today, didn't you? He said, yeah, I'm out here in the cheap seats. Yeah. Say, so, well, that's what happens. So, so I'll, try to get you, I'll try to get the plane on the ground quickly enough so that you can beat the Methodist to tequilas today. It's not uncommon for us. Well, let me just say it this way. The past few years have been so different for all of us. We've been dealing with something that you probably don't want to hear about this morning, but we've been dealing with this whole pandemic and over six and a half million people have died worldwide and we really like it to just go away. We really would. But some aspects of it has changed our lives significantly. And this pandemic has, has been a big deal. There's no doubt about that. And yet, despite that, I think that there is a greater pandemic that has been around for a long time and will continue to be around because it's part of our human nature. It, almost, it seems almost genetic. But it's been around for a long time. And that is this tendency that we have to seek people's approval. It's been around a long time. As we consider this, how uh, widespread it is, we see athletes who, sometimes even Christian athletes, who will apologize for things that when they haven't done anything wrong. Some of that's because they have sponsors, and so they're a little concerned about that. We hear celebrities apologizing that doesn't surprise us so much if they're from Hollywood or whatever because they're seeking certainly to protect their image and get another movie to act in. And we hear, it doesn't surprise us at all that politicians do that. They want to keep their jobs. So they're very aware of those, uh, to have their, the pulse of things, to see which way the wind is blowing. This tendency to seek approval has been with us for a long time. And it's certainly there a big part of <clears throat> a big part of the why pornography is so appealing to people is because it is to a great degree about approval seeking. This may surprise you, but as recent as three years, there was over 40 billion hits on the largest porn site in the world. 40 billion in one year. So a big part of all of that is about seeking approval won't go into details of that, just to say that approval-seeking is huge. 
and it's been around for a long, long time. Here's some examples of things that happened that let us know that if you want to be able to have an idea of if you are an approval seeker. Now, those of you who I'm asking this, I realize some of you already know, yeah, I am. My husband or wife says that, or my wife says that, whatever else. Uh, my friends say that, whatever it might be. But here's some things that are indications that approval seeking may be an issue for you. One is changing or adopting your, uh, your strategy in face of disapproval. This was true of Bob Russell, a minister, former senior minister at <clears throat> Southeast Christian Church in Louisville several years ago. He was on a board of a Christian organization, a nonprofit. And in this nonprofit, they were in their board meeting, and he looked at the rest of the board members because he had some concerns about the executive director. And he said, I want you all to know that I believe that so-and-so, we need to ask him to resign. And they all looked at him shocked, like, well, what's wrong? And they disagreed with him. And Bob Russell said to them, well, let me say this. I feel so strongly about it that if you, he doesn't resign, I will. My guess is they probably went along with Bob because he was not someone who did that kind of thing very often. So, but uh, being afraid to say no in fear of disapproval or not standing up for yourself. And we're not talking about someone who's being pushy, but someone who's standing up for themselves, being afraid to do that. Um, not speaking up when you've received unsatisfactory service or a tip or, or, or looking at whether or not you've given a good tip or not. Now, I'm not talking about the situations where you see someone back in the kitchen and they're on their cell phone and they look serious. But if they're looking like they are laughing and looking at their phone and you're sitting there waiting for things, you're not being a bad Christian if you evaluate the tip. I was a waiter in college, and so I never expected to be taken care of if I didn't do good work. We're not talking about that. So, <clears throat> so quickly, changing or adapting your position in face of disapproval, being afraid to say no, not speaking up when you're not getting the kind of service that you might want, expecting compliments or fishing for them, and being upset when they're not forthcoming. This is commonly done on, in social media. I had a client once who... Some friends of her from, uh, from school at IU, uh, they were going on a trip, and she saw they had all of their pictures posted from spring break, and she didn't click like on them. And one of them called her from Florida and said, why didn't you click on my page? Why, didn't, why, why aren't you acknowledging that, that we're having a good time? Well, they didn't invite her for one thing. But for another thing, they were really upset. One particular was upset because she didn't click like. And, or, or putting things on social media. And more than likely, most folks on FaceTime and other forms of social media have posted things that they thought were flattering. If not of themselves, of their grandkids. And enjoying the fact that folks said how adorable she is. I realize I'm kind of hitting close to home here. I'm well aware of that. I've posted pictures of my granddaughters. If I'm being psychologically honest with you, it was kind of nice to hear everybody say how sweet she looked. But that's approval seeking. That's a method of approval seeking. Expecting compliments or fishing for them, as I said, or addressing certain ways to get compliments. Knowing that this makes you look good. 
Well, most folks don't want to go and say, well, it doesn't mean that we're a better Christian because we dress, you know, we dress in, uh, in an untidy way or we don't take care of our clothes or what have you. I, and my wife kids me because she, she wants to know why I iron, I iron things. Well, my mom was an ironer. <laughs> okay, she ironed everything. Some of you, did you grow up with someone who they ironed everything? I mean, everything got ironed. And so that's just kind of my thing. My brother, if he came up from Texas and saw my clothes weren't ironed, he'd ask my sisters if I was depressed. Say, is Stuart depressed? Because in Texas, they iron their jeans. So aside from those, what I think are reasonable exceptions, of course, dressing in certain ways to get compliments or to emphasize certain parts of your body, that's approval-seeking. We're all capable of it, and it's not a matter of whether or not we're going to do it. It's, uh, it's a, how much do we do it? We all do it. We all do it. How much do we do it is the issue. Psychologists would say approval-seeking is a reflection of insecurity. They were trying to prove something. We're trying to get folks to tell us how great we are. This is songs that we're saying by this worship people this morning. Worship team this morning was all about saying, <clears throat> all about saying how God loves us and justifies us. And that's the truth. They were singing the truth to us this morning that it's God who justifies us. So we're going to do, approval seeking is an issue. It's been around a long time. And, and yet, what's wrong with it? What could go wrong with approval seeking? Let me give you a little educational moment here. Here's what's wrong with approval seeking from just a purely mental health standpoint. Even if we weren't in church, I would say this to you. Here's a problem what happens with approval seeking. Imagine, if you will, visualize this. Over here is the word responsibility. Okay? And we put a minus sign, and over here is the word control. And we put an equal sign, and over here is all these types of things like emotional consequences, feeling bad about ourselves, feeling anxious, feeling stressed, feeling hurt, feeling ashamed, feeling bad, all those kinds of things that we don't like to feel. So let's look at the formula. Responsibility for what? When we try to get people to not be upset with us, when we try to get people to not uh, make decisions that would break our heart or that would be foolish, when we try to get someone to view us in a certain way, to not think that about us. We're trying to make sure they don't think bad things about us. Responsibility minus control. Control of what? How many of us know that people have a free will? They get to decide what they do, even if it's going to break our hearts to see them do it. So responsibility minus control equals what? All those bad emotions. Have you ever had the experience where you were talking to someone and you didn't say you thought you had said anything wrong, but you still come away feeling like the bad one. And you hadn't done anything wrong, but you still, you came away. Now, some of that's because someone that you're talking to has done a switcheroo. That's an old-fashioned way of saying they've gaslighted you. They've tried to make you think it's your issue. So remember that from a purely mental health standpoint, when we seek approval, it doesn't play out well for us. And that's not even talking about it that we, the way we will today. It's just not emotionally and mentally healthy for us to do that. The scripture tells us that we can't serve two masters. We'll be devoted to one and we'll neglect the other one. 
We can't seek approval from people and seek God's approval at the same time. It doesn't work well. And God won't, he doesn't desire that from us. This approval seeking is not a new thing. Look at Saul. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. And I was afraid of the men. And so I gave in to them. Saul tried to actually lie when he was confronted by Samuel. Samuel said, you've not done the right thing. And Samuel said, oh, sure I have. I've done everything you commanded. Well, actually, he wasn't being telling the whole truth. He wasn't being transparent. God had told him to take, clear it all out, to, to, to not take anything for yourself. So Samuel was giving a half-truth. That's tempting sometimes, especially if you know the person you're talking to is not going to like what you're having to say, and you know they're going to be mad at you. You, it's so tempting to not be transparent. It's not quite lying straight to their face, but it's tempting, is it not? When you know they're going to be mad at you and it doesn't feel good. If it feels good to have people mad at you, that's not quite normal either, is it? But Samuel said, no, he told you to take nothing. What had happened, Saul's men had, brought, had taken a bunch of, of the best sheep and all those kinds of things. And God said, take nothing. Samuel said, no, you're not being honest. You're not being transparent. And when he confronted Saul, this is what he said. I did it because I was afraid of men, and so I gave in to them. I caved. More than likely, everyone in this room has caved at some point in their life. The problem with caving is that it normally doesn't keep it fixed. It normally doesn't keep them pleased with us. And then we know that we sold out. We know we caved, so we lose twice. The only thing worse than losing once is you lose twice. Imagine Alabama's feeling that this morning, but that's a separate issue. Nathan would like that, I'm sure, here in Tennessee in one. And the Pharisees, let's take a look at what happened with the Pharisees. Say, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be what? To be seen by others. These messages I delivered to you, I, my wife this morning said good words to me as I got out of the vehicle. She said, you're going to do great. She's been encouraging. And I said, the important thing here." Are these messages are not about Stuart Ball. This is not about me. I've done it the other way before, and it was stressful. But this is not about me. And the hypocrites said they wanted to be seen by others. Some of you have heard people say, well, I, thought, I think praying in public, isn't that wrong? No, it's when you pray in public because you know secretly you really like the admiration, and you want people to tell you how great you are. That's what's wrong with it. Let's move on. And look at another example of the Pharisees. It says, Yet at the same time, many more among the leaders believed in him, but because they believed in Christ. But because of the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. I had a couple in my office years ago, and they said, oh, I see that you're a member of the American Association of Christian Counselors. How does that affect your work? Because I was working with their teenage son who was really troubled. And they were both atheists, the couple. And I said, well, let me tell you this. 
I'm not going to evangelize your son. And they said, okay, we're good then. That's all they wanted to know. Now, did I cave? I don't think so. They were coming to me, not for me to evangelize them. I provided what their son would have been, obviously their son would have benefited from a relationship with Jesus Christ. With a, with a relationship with the God of this universe. A God who is best revealed in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Their, his son, their son would have benefited from that relationship and we know that. But they sought praise more than praise from God. Pilate when he had Christ before him, said Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting. The crowd was getting, becoming unhappy. It took water and washed his hands. I'm innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. That's not quite it. That's not quite right. Yes, you were, you were culpable in this situation, Pilate, because you worried more about the people being upset with you and you caved and you tried to diplomatically, or like many politicians, you tried to wash your hands of it. He was seeking approval. Let's look at Peter. I've mentioned Peter. Some people, in this case, Paul referred to him as Cephas. Came to Antioch, I posed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came, came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to pull away and separate himself. Some of you have been like that. You've been in a group and the person you thought was your friend or was close to you, they act like they don't know you. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group, which he's really referring here to the Judaizers. These are the folks who are saying you have to do all these other things or you're not really right with God. You can believe in Christ, but you're going to have to do all these other things that we Jews say you have to do. At least the Judaizers anyway, because all the disciples were Jews. The one story here that speaks to me a great deal is the story of Leah. Are there any Leahs in this audience? That's good. Because I want to be able to talk about the story of Leah. Leah had this, it's a sad story. Because Leah had the experience of being married to a man who did not love her. It's sad. I mean, look at her. He says, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to become conceived, but Rachel remained childless. That was her sister. That's the person that her husband loved. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she says, because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord has heard I'm not loved, he gave me this one too. And again, she conceived when she gave birth to a son. She said, now at last my husband will become. And she did what any human being would do. She realized I need to lower the bar. I need to settle. Maybe he will become attached to me now. She lowered the bar. Because to not do that would have been too difficult. Now, I'm not telling you this doesn't mean that she quit being the best wife she could be to her husband 
or if it rolls reverse, being the best husband I can be to a wife that doesn't love me the way I want to be loved, or be the best son or daughter, or the best mom or dad, or the best employer or employee, when we realize that sometimes the standards that we hold are not there. And this was a time, you know, Leah... Leah would not have benefited from a book that I recommend to people. It's called The Five Love Languages. For those of you, if you know a couple who wants to know how to love each other better, that book will help you learn how to do that. It's not an end-all. But even that book wouldn't have benefited Leah because her husband loved her sister. Kept having kids with her, but he loved her sister. And if you read on in that narrative, they had almost like a baby competition if you read that story. The Bible doesn't hide dysfunction. <laughs> it puts it out there for us to all see. So why should we even seek God's approval? Because that's really what, if you look down to this, if we can back up the slide, Leah finally concluded. So, she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time, I will praise the Lord. This time, I'm not going to focus on whether or not he loves me. I've got to change my reasons. The reasons I'm doing this is not working for me. It's making me unhappy. It's frustrating and disappointing every time. Imagine as she's going through the whole pregnancy, She's, she, I don't think just because once she had the baby, she was not anticipating it. We anticipate, those of you who know what this is, you know, when you've had children, you, there's this anticipation. She, I expect that she was anticipating that if this is a boy, maybe this time. But finally she said, she realized, I've got to change. Because this is, making, this is, this is too disappointing. This hurts too much. So she quit seeking his approval and she said, now, this time around, now I will praise the Lord. So what did she say? She wanted to start seeking God's approval. She was going to praise God. She's going to seek his approval now. So why should you seek it? Why should you and I seek God's approval. We've been in church for a while. That seems like maybe a question that's not relevant. But part of the reason it's important to see God's approval because when we don't, look at what happens, what Jeremiah said. You be, be appalled at this. You, heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold, cannot hold water. The problem with approval seeking, it's like a cistern. It's, it leaks. And there's no, you can never put enough in because it keeps leaking. It's never enough. People pleasing is almost, it's an addictive thing. It's very much an addictive thing. And it, it's never enough. The boat springs a leak. Oh, I've got to fix that one too. I've got to fix this one too. I've got to make sure she's not upset with me. I've got to make sure he's not upset with me. And it's never enough. Just when you think no one's mad at you, someone's mad at you. You could have everyone saying great things, 
but the one that disapproves, that's the one you tend to remember when we're getting into seeking approval. So it doesn't work. Perhaps what Leah's realized, and hopefully we can realize today, is that we seek God's approval. We discover that he loves you and me, that the God of this universe, who created all of those things that we saw when we drove in this morning, all of the colors and all of the things, and that sun that gives its town its name. Leah discovered some things. One of the things that Leah discovered is that God does not make his love for us contingent or based on something you and I did. The scripture says that while you and I were still floundering around and being powerless and not doing well, that God, that Christ died for us while we're still powerless. What that says to you and me is, is that God's love is based on him loving you, period. And, and, and sure, he wants us to love him, but he did make the first move. So she, maybe she knows and she discovered that his love for you and me is not contingent and that it's not, that it's not, that it's unconditional. I'm going to read a passage. It's a bit longer than I usually like to read them, but I, I want you to capture and, and listen to these words in Romans chapter eight, verses 31 and following. What shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will not he also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies us. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He is praying for us. Did you know that? That Jesus prays for us? Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. No, all these things. It says, for your sake, we face death all day long. Paul was saying we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced. I want you to capture this. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, the writer was being thorough here, obviously, will be able to separate us. Nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Leah hopefully discovered that God's love, and I want you to discover that God's love is not conditional. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. You can't get him to not love you. He's just not going to do it. As parents, sometimes what happens is we love our children and we tell them things they're not going to want to hear. As friends in school, we might tell friends that things that we don't want to hear, they don't want to hear. 
but you're not going to convince me as a parent to not love them the way they need to be loved, even if they don't like me. How many of you know that sometimes as parents, you have to do things that your son or daughters are not going to like? How many of you know that? They're not going to thank you for it. But you know it's the right thing to do. It's the loving thing to do, even if they act like you're awful. Because you know it's the right thing to do. Hopefully Leah was discovering that. We learn, maybe Leah discovered that God never, never leaves us nor forsakes us. As it says in Matthew's gospel, that he never leaves us. Do you know anyone who is afraid of being left? Maybe she discovered that God is not moody and unpredictable. And this is where I ask this next question. I want you to make sure you look straight ahead. Do you know anyone who can be moody or unpredictable? Now you know why I said look straight ahead. Okay. Scripture says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can count on him. These are the things, these are the reasons why we seek God's approval. Because all of those things are characteristics. And also, not the least of which, is that he forgives us. As the writer in 1 John says, he forgives us and he's faithful and just and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So we can be forgiven. All of these things remind me of a song that I treasure. The song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We've not heard that one for a while, but we know the lyrics. Listen to the writer in his first verse. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, New mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. And you could finish it, can't you? Lord, unto me. So God is faithful. And so why do we seek God's approval? And how do we secure God's approval? The first thing we do is we secure God's approval by faith. As we look at the scripture up here in Hebrews, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. When we seek him and we really want him, he will reward us. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. The Old Testament says that Enoch lived by faith and walked with God. Maybe Enoch realized what the prophet Micah said when he said, let me tell you what God requires of you. He wants you to do the right thing or do justice. And he wants you to love mercy, to err on the side of mercy. And he wants you to walk humbly with your God. The scripture says that Enoch walked with God. I can't imagine him walking with God if he wasn't humble, if he didn't realize his limitations. Enoch was one of those folks who never faced death, that God took him to heaven. He never had to die. 
So Enoch lived by faith and he walked with God. The scriptures in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so anyone can boast. So we get God's approval. We get God's approval by faith. If you would, close your eyes for a moment. I want to pray with you. Dear God, and if you agree with this prayer, just you can say it to yourself. Dear God, I need more faith. I don't have enough and I have my doubts. And God, I need faith to help you, to have you help me to believe in you. The worship team, I I faked out the worship team. They thought I was closing. But that's okay. I'm not not closing. (laughs) The old saying when ministers used to say, I'm about to close... We know that's one of those times where we realize the minister's probably not telling the truth. So it's by faith that we please God. So how else can you and I please God? By living in the Spirit. Let's see what the scripture says. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. But it goes on, it says, we please God by living in the Spirit. In Romans, it says, as it says on the, on the screen, by living in the Spirit. So let me demystify that for a moment. That whole idea, what is living in the Spirit? When you and I decided to accept Christ, we received the Holy Spirit at conversion. When we ask Christ to come into our life and say, Lord, my way's not working. This is making me unhappy. My life's not working for me. And I've done stuff that I regret, and, I, and I, I've sinned. I've done some things wrong, and I need you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life and guide my life. When we do that, he comes into our life immediately. And he gives us his spirit. He gives us his spirit, and his spirit, he helps change us. So not only do we receive it at conversion, but it does something to use a word that's a religious term. It begins to sanctify us which is another way of saying he begins to help us be more like Christ. Even my friends and people I know who don't believe in Christ as a Messiah, they, they cannot deny that Christ treated people, treated women and children and people of other races better than anyone that they can think of. Even those who don't believe will say, you know, he did treat women with more respect than any religious leader had until that time. He did say, don't keep the kids away from me. And he did hang out with people who were not of the same race. Even they would say, I'll give him credit for that. So living by the Spirit means that we seek to ask the Holy Spirit. 
we say, dear God, I pray that your spirit, that he will help me be more like Christ every day. And show me if there's things in my life, like David prayed in Psalms 139. Show me there's things in my life, if there's areas where I'm seeking approval. Show me if I'm avoiding disapproval. Help me know if there's something that's in my life that's not right. Because sometimes our sins don't occur to us. That's what it means to live by the spirit. And to focus on those things that pleases God. Seeking God's approval, why, why, what else besides living in spirit? We seek it by praising him. We do that and we have a praise team, a worship team. We seek it by living in the spirit. We seek it by faith. We seek it by praising him. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes we don't feel like it. But as Peter said, if you do the right thing, even if you don't feel like it, you still will be blessed. So sometimes we offer a sacrifice of praise, which means we, as the writer would say, through Jesus, therefore, let's continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget, notice how they add us, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I'm reminded of the classic hymn. And some of you remember this song by a woman named Fanny Crosby. You can tell it's an old name because not many folks would want the name Fanny. Okay. But Fanny said this in this old hymn called Praise Him. How many of you remember that classic? Praise Him, Praise Him. Praise Him, Praise Him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Strength and honor. How many of you remember this song? Remember this song? We could almost sing it. I won't lead you in it because I want to scare you. It says, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer, sing, O earth, his wonderful love proclaim, strength and honor, give to his holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children. In his arms, he carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him, the chorus says. Tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him ever in joyful song. So we please God by faith. We pray by having faith, which, which he gives us. We please God by living in the spirit. We please God by praise. And we please God by doing what he says, by keeping his commandments. Listen to the writer. He says that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And, they, and, and so then he was asked once, Jesus was asked once, okay, so what's the greatest commandment? Now think of these mobiles that you see over baby beds. And it's the arching things that cross the top. And all these other things that are hanging down. Jesus said, everything hangs upon these two things. He said, love God and love your neighbor. Everything else, the law and the prophets and everything else hangs on those two things. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. This is how we please God. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much that we can appreciate and understand the futility of seeking approval from other people. And God, help us to be aware when we're doing it. 
Help us be aware of when we're doing it and help us live in reality, God, that it's, it's futile and that it's going to make us unhappy. But God, we know that you justify us and that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And God, we know that you forgive us. And God, we know that you are not conditional and that you don't change. So God, we praise you for all of that. And God, we pray that your Holy Spirit, that he will help us to walk and help us to be like you, Lord, and help us to keep your commandments, to love you and to love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.